Welcome to another session of the Learner's Mindset Discussion. I'm Dwayne Hrapnik, and my esteemed colleague is... Dr. Talissa Thibodeau. Uh, so, Talissa and I are going to be exploring how one moves into or moves towards or starts to develop a learner's mindset. And, and the reason that this is going to be an important discussion is that <clears throat> I've been living in the space for a long time. And because I live in this space of the learner's mindset and the, all the higher order thinking and, and you know, the, the mindset that this is uh, related to, I often forget what it's like to not be that way. And so that's referred to as an expert's bias. I'm an expert in a certain in this area, and and I often forget what it's like. Whereas, you know, Talissa is a little bit more <clears throat> uh, junior to I'm myself. A <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, a lot younger than me, and 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 she has moved towards this form of thinking or the learner's mindset at, at, at more recently. And so her experience, I think, is going to be invaluable to those people who um, are new to this. And she can bring a perspective that I just can't. Because as an expert or somebody who's lived in the space for a long time, I've often forgot what it's like to feel as as a novice and so we're going to go down this path and and i i am going to be asking questions and listening i'll try to listen as best i can and I'll, but but we'll we'll be exploring these ideas because you know the moving away from that fixed mindset thinking or that that narrow standardized information transfer thinking into a type of thinking that is broad and expansive and enables you to actually see every challenge and obstacle as an opportunity mm -hmm. takes some time. It takes mm -hmm. a little bit of time. And, 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 and our goal is to help you move in that direction. So let's explore moving towards the learner's mindset. So Talissa, Dr. Thibodeau, I'll, there, I've, I've been official, but now I'm going to say Talissa, tell me about your journey towards the learner's mindset. So right right from the very beginning and, and where you were and, and how you started to move. And then I'll just ask you questions as we go along. Sure. So I'm honored to share my story simply because it wasn't an easy climb, if you will, to get to the level of learner's mindset that I'm at today. You know, gosh, I lost my dad in the year, I think I was 21 years old. So it was many, many years back. And I ran across this quote, and I've mentioned this before, but set your course by the stars, not by the lights of every passing ship. And I didn't realize how important that quote would be to me until I adopted a learner's mindset, right? So all those years back, I remembered this quote, it helped me get through some difficult times. But again, I looked at things in my 20s, as if they were hurry up and get them done, hurry up and get the A, check it off my list. I don't even like this notion of a bucket list because I look at it like, gosh, that's, that's an you know, ending point. I'm never at an ending point. I'm always continually learning, you know, never stop learning is really where my mindset is at. But it, again, it took me a while to get there. And I had to go through many failed experiences in life to realize, you know, continuing to do the same thing over and over again, which just wasn't really working for me. So I would go to school, I would get good grades, you know, you know, married, have kids, do these things. But along the way, I realized that being one way and not being flexible to handle all kinds of situations was holding me back, it was kind of stuck in my own headspace. So 
kind of giving you a shorter version there, but cycling to where I'm at now and what happened to me in 2015 when I took the job here at Lamar as an assistant professor, I had to question <laughs> everything I ever believed about life, about learning, all these things. And the reason for that was I did some very exciting and intricate work. You know, you and I paired together and we started co-constructing, you know, the master's in digital learning and leading. And we developed the creating significant learning environments through choice ownership and voice through authentic learning opportunities. And I had to really step back and think, did I really adopt, believe and feel the things that we were co-creating? And I struggled with it because I had lived a life of hurry up and get it done, quick fix mentality, check the boxes off the list and get through whatever I had to get through path of least resistance. That's not to say the path of least resistance isn't great today in some things, but I had to struggle with what I truly believed. What was my why? Why did I believe the way I believed? Who did I want to become? And how did I want to get there? And it constantly, and you know, I had to step back and question myself because what I was talking with students about in terms of you know, helping them and giving them feedback and allowing them to feed forward and, 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 you know, really kind of, if you will, stepping outside of my comfort zone and asking questions and, and sharing my perspective, that was totally uncomfortable for me for the first two, three years of, of <laughs> my professorship here at Lamar, if I want to be candid and honest. But what I grew into was someone who adopted a learner's mindset over time, didn't happen like that. I had to, to take everything I did by the horns and think, how can I, if this is a challenge for me and it's presented in front of me, how can I make this an opportunity for myself and others? How can I extend what I've learned over time to others so that they can also see that things might seem impossible until they become possible? A no is a definite maybe, <laughs> uh, you know? And over, over the last several years, I've completely transitioned from that quick fix mentality to this mindset of every opportunity is a chance to learn. Everything goes back to my learning and empowering people around me, building relationships with people, finding a way to help people grow through giving feedback to feed forward by being candid about and owning um, failure, owning mistakes, owning issues learning how to fail forward from those issues. And, you know, specifically, you know, I wrote a post on my ePortfolio a while back and it's titled 100 miles. I never thought I would be able to run hundred miles um, or 150 in the following year for that matter. But what I learned, and I don't think I would have done this before I adopted a learner's mindset. <laughs> I talked my way through it. I found, I found a, a jogging buddy through the form of a dog, actually, <laughs> his name was Titus. Um, and I walked, I talked my way through it and I walked my way through it. And I started to think that all these things that you think you can't do, you really can, but it goes back to what do you believe? Why do you believe it? How are you going to achieve it? How are you going to get there? And what kind of bumps are going to come along the way that you can learn to navigate through and become a better person, become a better form of self 
and then share that with others. And I talked myself through that. <laughs> it was tough. It was difficult, but I found a way. Um, and I have lots and lots of stories. I'm sure that in our conversation will come up, but just, you know, stepping back and looking forward at all of this, it took some time. I had to get out of my own headspace. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. So if, if I can summarize, yeah. it, moving towards the learner's mindset can be uncomfortable. There was anxiety. It was different. Um, there was a realization that you had to walk the talk. You couldn't just talk about these yeah. certain things. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's an ongoing iterative process. And, and you could recognize that you couldn't sort of check boxes off the list. You had to take mm -hmm. things apart and look at them and mm -hmm. analyze them. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, your example about running, well, yeah, the 100 miles, well, that's a long way. But if you analyze how you can get there, mm -hmm. you know, weeks in a year, how many times you run each week, well, if you break it down and take a look at, at what is involved and, you know, that, that classic eat an elephant one bite at a time, mm -hmm. if you look at the bigger picture, but then, you know, take the bigger picture and reduce it to smaller chunks, then mm -hmm. you can see how it can be accomplished. But the key thing I'm hearing is that you, you can't just talk it, you have to live it. Right. So and that, struggle that, through it and have yeah. patience with it. Yeah. And and you're recognizing that you're maybe not always there. It's just that ongoing mm -hmm. uh, process. Okay. So what's interesting is now that I have this lens on, I I am unable to take that off. I have a learner's mindset lens, if you will. Um I see everything through that lens now. I look at the way I was before and I compare. Check, 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 check versus analyze, evaluate, organize. And I, it really does embody that higher level of functioning, higher level of thinking. And, you know, I'm constantly finding ways of refining what I do because, you know, I have to step back. Am I giving choice? Am I giving ownership to others? Am I taking ownership myself? Is this authentic and real to who I am and, 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 and to the work I'm trying to do? And does, am I, is my voice really coming out through that? And, and same with others, as I cultivate experiences in my new role for other students, am I facilitating those things? Am I setting up significant learning environments? Am I giving them the opportunity to explore and define and see what I did? And if I'm not, I am actually, um, what's the word? Misleading almost. Or hypocritical. <laughs> yes, in my opinion, yes. Yeah. Well, I, I, this, 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 causes me to ask a couple of questions and and I think one of the first one is this ongoing introspective mm -hmm. analysis and evaluation of where you're at raises some anxiety yeah. um, and and that's that's important and I know when we work with our graduate students and and, and in our learners mindset resources we talk about that and, and we mm -hmm. we assure people that well we can't take the anxiety away but you'll get used to it and so letting people know that that's part of the learning process so that's yeah. important was there an event or a catalyst or a process or ideas that may have helped you move in that direction and the reason I ask is that in our formal programs that we have developed, we sort of point to Carol Dweck's work of the growth mindset mm -hmm. as sort of that starting point. Moving to the learner's mindset really requires having that start and sometimes reigniting the fact that, oh, you can grow. Was that an important part or, or was, it, was there another catalyst that maybe helped uh, facilitate or uh, move you in that direction initially? I don't know if you're going to like to hear what I have to say, but the 
biggest catalyst was my own failure. When I was able to recognize and see, you know, whether it was a journal article that was rejected, whether it was an idea that was totally off base, but, you know, when I felt, let me step back and take a look at that, or there's a better way to do this. Failure taught me more than my success for sure. But it's not just failure taught me success. It's how I embraced failure. If I did not have the attitude of this is an opportunity for me to grow and learn, right? Then I would have taken failure as a box and done. You know, I failed, I'm done, it defines me. But I felt that through some of, and this was through some of Maxwell's readings, find a new definition of failure. And when I see or hear people kind of knock themselves down, I step back and I say, you have no idea how many failures and whether I perceive it or someone else perceives it as a failure on my end, failure drove me to be a, a better person or a better learner, if you will. Failure drove me to a learner's mindset. Let me put it like that. Okay. Weird, <laughs> but true. No, I, This I, is very uncomfortable for me, if you can tell. Yeah. I don't always like talking about me. <laughs> so I have to put my learner's mindset you know, lens back on to do this. Well, I, I, I really appreciate that. And I thank you for sharing this and it can be difficult. And, and having worked with you so closely for so many years, when you mentioned about, well, you if that article, I know if that article didn't get published, you know, I'm thinking, oh, so what? There's other journals we can you know, submit it to. And I remember your, your reactions. It's a little bit more, oh, yeah. they, they didn't like what we did. Well, no, they just, just well, 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 somebody else will, right? So, um, I'm also hearing how important the notion of, I'm, I'm surprised you didn't say failing forward because that, uh, when I talk to uh, graduate students of the DLL program or, or students who've been in your classes, they always say, oh, you know, Dr. T talks about failing forward and that's so important. And so you convey that significant importance of using that failure, but failing in a certain direction because it's just one more thing you need to do before you get it right or there's other options or it's maybe not necessarily a matter of getting it right. It's getting it to the point where it can be utilized in another way because there's always room for improvement. So... Okay, so the failing component that that is important. See, I'm 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 automatically thinking about the growth mindset, and I often forget about the failure part because I'm really good at failing, <laughs> and I've never been afraid to do that. I, I've always been somebody who has just embraced that because maybe I'm stubborn and arrogant, and I'll keep on whacking away at something until I can get it. So that yeah. I, I really appreciate that. Another piece I think to add to this is. Uh, Part of what I've really been able to embrace in the learner's mindset is engagement. And by engagement, if you look at, and you know some of the work out there, complacency versus engagement, I oftentimes in the role that I'm in now, think about if I'm complacent in something, whatever that is, whether that is recruiting students or I'm comfortable because everything's flowing well and going well, um, I realize that I'm not really stepping outside of my box. And so I'm consistently thinking of, you know, here, here's the edge, here's the vertices. You know, I see where I'm at and I'm comfortable where I'm at, but I'm not, I've become a habitual craver, if you will, of, 
what you used to say, embracing the fringe. But I think of that in two ways. You can embrace the fringe as in weird, but you can also start moving toward the edge of the box and see, ooh, here's a better idea if I just break the blind of that box open and get out of it, right? And oh man, what other people add to me because I've chosen what I allow others to add to what I'm what I'm doing and who I am because I've chosen to engage with them as opposed to sitting in my box and being complacent. That has become huge to me. And that actually funnels into building relationships with others, which makes me better all the way around. I don't see, you know, us. I don't see people that, that offer um, criticism as a, an attack. I look at it as give me more. Oh, that was great. Do you have more to suggest? <laughs> what else could I switch or, or fix here? And by doing that, I also build trust with people. And I feel that that's, you know, allowing others into my, my space it has become big for me um, because it's not, I don't do everything right. I don't do everything well. Um, that, that has become, you know, engaging with others, engaging with what I'm doing, taking an active part of the learning process. And I'm a dean of an honors college and I am learning all the time and every day. I don't have all the answers figured out. Um, and it took me a whole year of being a dean before I felt like I could say this, just so you know, this just came out. <laughs> I felt like I was learning, learning, learning at such an accelerated rate, but it took it took influence. It took people, you know, coming together and helping me. It took me being, you know, not afraid to ask questions, not afraid to fail. And trust me, if you really want to know the truth and look, here's some insight on the whiteboard in my honors college office, I have a tally list of the number of embarrassing moments and failures I've had on my part since March of 2021, when I first took the job. And I am the one with the most tick marks next to my <laughs> name. It's a reminder that I'm going to fail. And I might be the one that fails the most on my team, but it's an opportunity that I've been able to grow. So those tick marks are growth marks. Funny and strange, but it's the way my head deals with it. No, I, I don't. I don't think that's funny and strange. I, I think there's a fair amount that we can glean from that, and there's a lot of insight. And and what I'm hearing is that if you're open to collaborating with people, if you're open to entering into relationships where you take ideas, you explore them, you you throw them on the ground, and you wrestle with them with a group of people, sometimes it's not going to work, um, and that's okay. Those those failures are going to help you move towards the successes. And, and again, it's incremental, it's ongoing, it's, it's iterative, but you shouldn't try to do it alone. So being open to bringing people in and encouraging people and to collaborate um, is, is really part of that, that process. And it's a recognition that we have been either you know, designed or created, whatever you, 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 you prefer, to be in community. Right? We, we don't do this alone, I think, is right. really important. And mm -hmm. I know in, in, the, in the DLL and now in the ADL program, especially with our move to um, our students being responsible for creating their learning communities and, mm -hmm. and, uh, and contributing to their learning community, um, that has made a significant change in, in the way that discussions and collaborations have held. And, and we're seeing with our graduates of the ADL program, especially, and some of the DLL students, who, 
who really embraced a group of learners that they worked with. That I, I remember one one student said her, she referred to her group as her superheroes, and her superheroes stood beside her, you know, in, with, with the notion of the end of the world, and they fought they fought with her and they helped bring her along. Um, and this one particular student had some really terrible times, lost a family member, and her community pulled her through. And so this is something that we often don't think about when we think of education or learning, right? It's something you do, you can write a test, it's competition. And yet you're, what you're saying is that the value of learning comes from the relationships. Some level of vulnerability, letting people know that mm -hmm. I need some help. It's okay, mm -hmm. you know, how, how do we do this? And ha having people who can maybe come alongside you and, yes. and pick you up by the hand and say, it's gonna be okay. I've fallen down too. I scraped the other knee when I did it, but you'll, you'll be okay, <laughs> you know, so. Okay, so community, collaboration. You're still talking about the fact that there is that failure component, but the failure, is it failure or is it just, not there yet, right? Not, yeah. not not being there yet, or not necessarily having the having developed things to the point where it's going to be functional and it's going to work a little bit better. Um, that that's interesting. So, the failure you, you referred to Maxwell's books and and his idea of failing forward. Um, now, this almost sounds like a power of a positive attitude. How do you differentiate what you're talking about between from that and? Gosh, the power of a positive attitude to me is just, just what you said. It's a positive attitude, but see, it, there's a difference when you actually act on it. <laughs> ah. So you can have a great attitude. It could be stuck up here and, you know, but when you walk the walk and you talk the talk and people see that they want to be in your world, they want to be part of what you're doing. They want to be with the initiatives that you're leading or, or the innovation plans that you're building and creating. They want to, they want to join you because they believe in you. Right. And then what that translates into, you kind of believe in yourself. So there's positive attitude. Sure. I can have a positive attitude all day long. If I don't act on that, that means nothing. Hmm. Just my opinion. <laughs> so there, there's that personal commitment. There's that yeah. action. There's that engagement. So this isn't something that you talk about. This isn't a, a cognitive process that actually addresses the whole individual. Yeah. You, you do have a cognitive dimension, but you've got the effective dimension in the sense that you're being driven by a purpose and your why. But you also have this psychomotor in the sense that you have to physically do something, right? So this this is a this is a whole or holistic perspective. So moving in that direction means you have to be fully engaged. Now, yeah. that's, I, I, I would ask, can we make a connection between this total engagement and, and our emphasis on authentic learning opportunities, doing real stuff? Do those authentic learning opportunities, are, are they part of the catalyst that bring you along because they force you to actually address real world stuff and respond? Uh, do you want to touch on that am, or am I off on a tangent with that? Yeah, actually, uh, I was thinking of a couple of things while you were talking. Um, kind of before we, before I go there to answer your question, the first thing is I have not done a single presentation or anything without the why, the how, the what, and our goals. So it doesn't matter if I'm using it for recruitment, if I'm working with faculty, if I'm working with my staff, they're all very, very clear about what our why and our how, and it's really to transform passion to purpose. So understand that I've, that has been a, a, a threaded and weaved throughout everything that I do, but it took me four months just to develop that and refine it, even if it was taking a word the or a out, switching gears, 
to the innovation seminars. I call them INL seminars, innovation leadership seminars in the uh, Texas Academy. These are authentic, real projects that students are working on. So the seminar is really setting the foundation or kind of a very loose structure, if you will. Um, it's two pages at most and what I've offered and shared and provided to students to give them sort of that loose structure, if you will, so they can operate with freedom of what they choose to do in terms of building out their own innovation plans. So when it comes to authentic learning experiences, I think, and I'm not sure if I'm answering your question correctly, but I found a way to take some of these, the learner's mindset, these bigger picture ideas, translate that to a purpose and, and a passion and a vision, and then bring that down to the level where students can then operate within that, within that uh, confine, if you will, um, on projects that are important to them. So I think the authentic learning piece here weaves itself through everything that we do. As a matter of fact, we, you and I had a um, 10 o'clock meeting today and a student had stopped in asking questions about his innovation plan and what he's looking to do. And it took me, you know, 10, 12 minutes to help guide the student and, and say a few things. But the point is, is they're active. They're excited about it because it's their project and they come in and they, they are wanting a little bit of help and a little push from me. Sometimes as high school students, they're, they're, they're moving things. I don't know if that answers your question, but to see how it all funnels from that big picture down to the, the level of sharing and giving back and, and feeding forward, if you will. <laughs> um, I, I think you have, but I have another, no, you've got me off on a tangent. I have another question and, and it, 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 it may be related to your, you know, the student dropping in. And I had an opportunity to spend some time with a, a graduate student last night um, who is in a situation where she has to come up with a bit of an innovation plan. And it, it wasn't until I asked her, well, what around you in your learning environment do you want to improve? What, what issues do you see? Well, there's, she, she listed three things that she wanted to fix. And, and through a series of questions and, and uh, you know, going back and forth, I helped her to realize that one of the really important things that she wanted to do to use technology to enhance learning was really an, an example of blended learning. And, and when, when through the conversation, through the dialogue, it clicked. She goes, well, that's blended learning. Well, that's just, that's just common sense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, but she looked at what was around her and my job there was not to tell her what to do, right. but to recognize what opportunities are right around you that you can actually change, that you can improve, that, mm -hmm. that you can make a difference in. And so is that, you're, you're yeah. talking about the same thing, helping, yeah. helping people to see what they can actually make a difference in. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. That's not that easy, though. No. <laughs> and and, and I, I find the reason that it's not that easy is that I'm seeing that a lot of students have a tendency to look for, well, what's the checkbox? It's they, easy. I, I don't know if it's necessarily easy. Well, yeah, it might be easy. Is it easy or is it just that they're accustomed to that, to th that selection? Here's the six items, choose one. Uh, or And... Do you think that because of our information transfer model that we use, which has served us quite well, are we conditioning students to just look at these small little pieces and they're not able to see the, the bigger picture and they, they sometimes can't see the opportunities that are in front of them? Is, do you think that's, that's part of it? If you step back and consider, even in the state of Texas, Florida, Indiana, wherever, if you step back and consider that 
educators are teaching to the TEKS. So they're taking a standard and really making sure our students know the standard. And, you know, one of the chief complaints of our high school teachers are, oh, we, we don't really know how to, our students don't know how to apply the standard. They know how to, they know what the standard says and they know how to use it in a math problem. They don't know how to apply it to the bigger picture world. If, if students are living in that kind of, you know, environment and teachers are teaching to a standard, at what point are we stepping back and looking at the big picture to see how all these pieces fit together um, from a from a vertical standpoint, if you will. And I think that kind of translates into the mindsets that we come into when we come into higher education. Um, we're already kind of trained, as, the, as you said, trained, if you will, um, that there's a way to do things. There's one way to do it. Maybe there's another way to do it. That's fine. But what does that really mean in my life? And what is that, you know, and it's so much more difficult, in my opinion, to unlearn something than to learn it. And if you're not willing to embrace the unlearning part, you're never going to learn it a new way. But if you've kind of been ingrained and, and it's like, as we talk about information transfer model and the recipe and regurgitation model, if we don't step back and look at our outcomes and see what are we really trying to do here? And we're so focused on the competencies and the objectives and the knowledge and skills. I think that mindset is hard to break because that's what a lot of our students come into us with. I even see it here a bit, you know, in the academy sometimes. I mean, we, we want to get to that mindset of who do you want to become and how do you want to get there? And for some people I've noticed, they step back and look at me like, huh? But isn't that really what it's about? <laughs> yeah. Now, I, I, I know your story. And can, can you perhaps share with us how you moved from working and teaching and delivering the standard to maybe the application? Because I, I know you had talked about your experience and spending time in, in elementary education and working with technology and, and getting recognized for doing all these pieces. And then when you moved into uh, the work we're doing here, it was very different in that whole application. Can you share some of your transition, how you moved from that, that environment to where you are now? I'll try. I recognize that what I was doing wasn't enough. I know that there's a lot to unpack there, but wasn't enough. And if I cycle back to when I taught kindergarten in Florida, I had the GT students and everyone expects that class to perform, perform well. You know, they'll do well on the, uh, they called it the SAT 10 test, which is reading math, reading math. But what I realized was teaching to a test, in my opinion, is just that you teach to a test, take the test and you move on. But as it relates to life, there has to be something more, something bigger. There has to be something, some way to take what you've done and apply. And so what did I do with those kindergarten students? I did projects with them. We had a monthly project. It was a state project, got to pick their state. It was a planet project, got to pick their planet and they presented how they wanted to. And they, and a lot of people looked around me like, what is she doing? Like, how dare her? You know, I would be the person standing outside with a huge bulletin board drawing the solar system out there and letting the students add pieces and things to it, right? And people, what is she doing? You know, they think I'm crazy. But I realized it the standards weren't enough. So if you take that to, I realized that on my own without even coming into higher ed and going into this mindset that I have now. But so it was already there. You told me this when I first met you. I know it's there. It's already there. You just had to grow it a bit, right? So coming into higher ed, I saw 
myself in my graduate students. I saw the same thing. I saw people who started out with the principal must tell us what to do and how to do it. We can't do that without the principal's permission. We can't possibly lead a group of people because that's not what the principal wants. The principal becomes then this sun in this atmosphere you know, that everything has to run through, but really it doesn't. You can lead people as you serve others. You can find ways to connect with people by leading your own initiatives. It doesn't always necessarily have to be one. Oh, I can't do it without permission, right? This box check, not saying to go and do something illegal without permission. Don't get me wrong. I'm saying you can lead others. So I started to see my own self through our graduate students and realized that I was on the right track, but I wasn't there yet. So it goes back to that growth mindset piece, but I found an outlet. I found an outlet. How do I get to the other side? How do I get to the point of completely embracing what I knew wasn't there or I didn't do enough of? That outlet was the learner's mindset. I found a solution there and it wasn't a one size fits all solution. I found a way to give myself a voice back and not just what the principal wanted, right? Give myself a voice back, make some choices, take ownership of everything, including my failures and, and turning challenges into opportunities and making them good, making them golden, if you will. Um, I found a way to tweak things ever so slightly without making a huge shift that would maximize my impact, right? Um, and I was able to do that alongside the learner. So alongside the graduate student, and that made a bigger impact on me. So here I was, I recognized that I wasn't, there wasn't enough. But then when I saw a perspective as a professor working with students, then I realized here's a way I can embrace this fully. And by adopting and feeling, you know, really pull, immersing myself in the learner's mindset, if you will, changed everything. I, then I was like fully submerged, right? And now I, now I can't go back to that way of thinking, you know, before. Um, but I was able to help others alongside me. And that to me mm. made all the difference. So when I was able to recognize it, but then help others, it pulled, pushed me over the edge. And now I'm in a learner's mindset where my outlet is real. I live this every day. I breathe this. It's not something anyone, no one can take it from me, right? <laughs> and I think that led to why I'm in the role I'm in today, because there was a passion that sparked. As soon as I got out of my own way, got out of my own head and took this idea of, I know I'm not doing enough and like pushed it out of the way and said, I'm going to do more. I'm going to take these opportunities. I'm going to jump at the chance to spark what someone sparked in me. And that someone, by the way, was you, <laughs> but that is when it sealed the deal for me. And again, it goes back to that collaboration with others. I didn't see it for myself until I helped other people through it. Group work is important. I think sometimes yeah. Col yeah. collaboration is so I, I, That's I think a little this might, deep for me. Yeah. I, I think this might be a point where we might want to summarize this, this conversation and, and, and maybe do a, second part at some point but i i think you've hit a point that is really important you've identified that even in the past when you were doing the checklisty things there was still something in you mm -hmm. 
going back to that quote about your father, about looking at looking at the stars on the horizon, the, there was something in you that recognized you needed to reach further and look beyond. Mm -hmm. So, and and that that little bit of a spark was ignited mm -hmm. um, when when you were introduced to a broader perspective and feeling forward, and then when you started to help others, yep. when you started to take ownership mm -hmm. of this perspective and shared it with others and it had to become real and you worked collaboratively you failed collaboratively it 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 moved you into a a space where yeah there is mm -hmm. something more and now i'm seeing it it's being mm -hmm. part of a community it's being part of a collaboration mm -hmm. it's looking at the world around us and thinking about oh how can we improve that how yep. can we enhance that yep. oh what what if we did this better can you imagine what our our students can do then yep. so it it may refer to my my wife referring to me as a bit of a delusional optimist in the sense that i'm always looking at those opportunities but but that's good isn't it 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 it, it is somewhat of an optimistic perspective looking for the good looking for the opportunity mm -hmm. and not just looking for it but embracing the opportunities yeah. Yeah. and and i and i i know your journey about moving into the honors college and mm -hmm. and the schemes and the dreams and thinking about the impact you could have and and recognizing that you through your graduate work as a professor, have engaged a lot of people and you've helped these young men and women or th these men and women come into our program and realize their dreams. And you've also realized that, wow, if I can catch them a little bit sooner, so at the undergraduate level or maybe at the high school level with the honors program and, and the, your academy, the Tal Academy, that reigniting that learner's mindset at an earlier age is going to get these people off onto an amazing trajectory and you're working collaboratively with a group of people to enhance these people's learning environment but really you're looking to help these people achieve their dreams you recognize yeah. that these young women men and women come into your program come into the honors college or the, the academy and they've got these big unrealistic crazy dreams and you know what you're going to help them get there through a lot of failure through a lot of frustration through a lot of anxiety yeah. but you're going to help them get there or maybe their dream wasn't big enough they have to go a little bit further or they have to take a trajectory and go to a different dream but you're yeah. going to help equip them to be able to recognize that yeah go for it you can do it and you know what we're going to work with you that's that's a that's a learner's mindset, isn't it? Reigniting that natural intrinsic capacity to look for a better way, mm -hmm. right? It's it's there. And once you it, it's it's pretty addictive too. So you sometimes have to rein yourself in a little bit because if you start living in this delusional optimism optimistic head, <laughs> you start seeing an opportunity when it's you know piece of wood <laughs> it's everywhere how fast can i get to it you know and what do i need to do to to move forward with it sometimes you're going to run into adversity as well you're going to find people who don't like to change the norm who don't want to be who don't want to be part of that movement at all and i found that sprinkling just a little bit of pixie dust and being sweet and kind makes a big difference they may not like you at first, but in time they see that you're doing it for, you know, like for me, for students, I'm always doing what's best for students. They know that 
And I have a one, I have built a wonderful and amazing team that we are completely collaboratively failing together. (laughs) (laughs) And we are having, actually, we're having some major successes to, to complement, if you will, that failing um, process, but we are in this together, like blood. um, And we are, we are moving and shaking. We are, we are ground shaking. So it's pretty amazing. Um, Wish you lived here and you were, yeah, I, I, I have to admit, I, 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 I'm excited to hear what you're doing. And I have the privilege of having a front row seat to all these ideas. And I, I think I want to end this part of our discussion on that note that um, there are opportunities everywhere. And, and if you can build the right type of a team or pull the right type of people around you, you can fail together as you are successful. And, <laughs> and, 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 and it is exciting. And, and sprinkling the pixie dust of realizing that we can improve it. We can, mm-hmm. we can help others. Mm-hmm. It, it really is a positive perspective in the sense that it, you are looking at how you can, you know, take challenges and, and yes. turn those challenges into opportunities yes. for growth and, and development. So thank you so much. I appreciate you sharing your experience and, and your move towards a learner's mindset. And I think perhaps in our next discussion, we might talk about some of those challenges because you know, we've been very upbeat and positive and it's all wonderful. And, and you know, it's unicorns and rainbows. But uh, there, there's pushback too, isn't there? Right? Oh, yeah. the, the system is well entrenched. And, oh, and how yeah. do you deal with that? And so I think we have a topic for another discussion coming up. So again, thank you so much. I appreciate hearing about your move towards the learner's mindset. And I know, I know how important this is going to be for so many of the students that are in my program and some of your students as well who are going to hear about your journey. So thank you for sharing with us. Mm-hmm.